0: this is our, our last week on the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension. Let me catch you up if you haven't been around. Uh, you know, we've been preaching about this over quite a little, a little while. Um, we, okay, I'll talk a bit about it. I met someone here who, who saw me in Sydney preach recently, or I had the joy of preaching about Romans and sin. And Teresa introduced me and said, this is Pastor John. He preached about sin. He's an expert in that area. I'm not quite sure how that's supposed to work, Pastor Teresa. Wow, that's the pot, that's the pot calling the kettle black right there. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, the fourth dimension, the fourth dimension. This this book uh, was written by Dr. Yonggi Cho many years ago. It's had a significant impact on my life and my prayer life for over 20 years. And I'd love you to read it if you haven't started already. Get it on Audible, uh, buy the book, uh, and just read it along. You can get the e-book. But uh, Dr. Cho built the largest church in the world of about a million people in Seoul, Korea. Uh, And this book unlocks the principles that that have been crucial in the building of that church and the miraculous nature of that church. It talks essentially about how to have an effective, faith-filled prayer life. All right, effective, faith-filled prayer life. Because there's different kinds of prayer. When you're in a relationship with God, and if you're here today, you're in Melbourne today, and you're not in a relationship with God, at the end of the service, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to make a powerful, powerful, and personal connection with God all right and when you come into that relationship with God then you learn to pray and there are different ways to pray so some of our prayer is just conversational it's it's fellowship it's communion it's talking to God throughout our day that's that's one part one part of prayer prayer is the journey of a lifetime there's prayer that where we're worshiping and we're thanking and we're praising and we're lifting up hands singing our prayers sometimes or saying our prayers and glorifying God there's there's prayers where we're we're re- repenting and humbling ourselves and letting God pull the weeds of, of the effects of sin out of our life. That's a type and a season of prayer. There's a there's prayer where we're confessing the Word of God as we renew our mind to kind of get out of the stinking thinking of our past into the thinking that God's wired us to line our thinking up with the Word of God. And that's a type of prayer. Uh, there's prayer where we're asking God for wisdom. One of my favorite prayers is help Who prays that prayer? Yeah, that's just a help me God. And we're praying, we're crying out, I need wisdom. God, I need copious amounts of wisdom. There's prayer where we're praying in tongues and our spirit, and we don't know in our mind what we're praying, but our spirit is communing with God and God is strengthening us on the inside. There's prayer where we're saying absolutely nothing, but we're waiting on God, quiet before him and his presence is washing over us and filling us. And then there's the prayer of faith. And that's what this book is about. It's not about all those other types of prayer. They're all all, all part of our prayer life. But this is specifically about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is where we want something to change. The prayer of faith is where we want God to get involved in something that without God being involved in is not going to happen. It's a prayer where we need a a miracle. It's a prayer where we need God to override uh, natural laws and, and work in our lives. We need something supernatural to happen. Now, it might be in our lives or it might be for somebody else. And when we're praying for somebody else, we call that intercession. We're interceding on someone's behalf with the prayer of faith that God would get involved and change some circumstances. That's what this book is all about, the prayer of faith. Dr. Joe's teaching, which is a Bible-based teaching, kind of unpacks the idea that uh, there we live in a three-dimensional world. You can see height, length, uh, width, and that, that's the world that we live in, and I like to call that the natural realm. It's the seen realm. But then there's a fourth dimension, and the fourth dimension is the unseen realm or the spiritual realm, and the unseen realm has a significant influence on the natural realm. And the spiritual realm will affect the natural realm. This is how God created the world. He was in the unseen realm, hovering over the world, spoke words out, and then the world created something from nothing that was in the fourth dimension or the spiritual realm. And so there's three types of spirits, and I'm just catching us up. I'd I'd love you to go back and listen to the messages about this. But there's three types of spirit. There's the human spirit, all of us. We're human spirits. There's there's evil spirits, that's the devil and fallen angels. And then there's the Holy Spirit and God with an army of angels. And so all of those have an influence over the natural realm. You'll find that even someone not connected to God if they understand the power of their spirit, can actually change natural circumstances. And people who don't know God have seen super miracles of healing and transformation happening because they've, they, and I'll, I'll use this word, but but hear me, I'm not going new age on you, but they've channeled or magnified the focus of their spirit over their natural circumstances. And they've under, they've tapped into a principle that God created the world with. And that's that the fourth dimension influences the third dimension. Now, once you tap, when you get into that realm, you have to be careful because if you then begin to partner with evil spirits, which has a greater level of power, then there are, there are numerous miracles happening in the world today where the human spirit has connected with evil spirits and brought healing into people's lives brought change into people's lives. And sometimes you can go, well, what, what's that all about? What's this thing called Reiki? What's this, what's this thing where people are, are predicting stuff or, or people are actually bringing healing? And what you, what you have to understand is the, the enemy's plan, the evil spirit's plan, they're real, but they actually, and you're like, well, if it's good, is it bad? Because I mean, if good's happening, is it bad? But what you have to understand is the only reason the good's happening, it's like bait on a hook. A fish sees the bait and goes, that's good. I'm hungry. It grabs the bait, but it traps the fish. The Bible tells us the devil acts like a counterfeit angel. He's an imitator. He masquerades as an angel of light. And so he'll bring good things into people's lives to put a hook in their life and to pull them away from God and their destiny. And he'll use his power to draw us away from God because at the end of the day, the Bible is very clear. The devil hates you and I and he wants to kill, thieve and destroy us. But he will use his power in a way that appears good to suck people in ultimately you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit to tap into to be big to uh, create with in our world and this is what Jesus came to demonstrate he came to demonstrate now this is fascinating because if you just think Jesus came to be a good teacher or to teach us a way of life or even just for salvation you'll be missing a big portion of what Jesus came to do He came to teach us about the kingdom of God. He came to teach us about salvation. He came to be the sacrificial lamb so that we could be saved. But ultimately, he came to teach disciples the way of faith. And he was so often like, you guys aren't getting this yet. I want you to know that you have the power to create in the natural realm from your spirit. He turned water into wine. He turned uh, loaves of bread and fish and he multiplied them to fed thousands. He he cursed a fig tree in a moment and it died. He was demonstrating that a spirit connected with God, understanding the power of its words, of your words and imagination, has a rule over the natural realm. He, he rebuked a storm and it stopped immediately. He suspended the rules of, 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 of physics and walked across on water and called his disciples to do the same. He touched sick people and instantly sickness left their bodies. He spoke over dead people and they came back to life. He touched them and He spoke. And all the time He was demonstrating not just that I'm the Son of God, which was the main reason He was doing it. He was wanting His disciples to tap into the principle of faith. And often they're like, Jesus, there's a big storm. Oh, we're freaking out. What, what, don't you care? And He's like, come on guys, you've got authority over this. You have the capacity to speak over this yourself. I'm gonna be gone in three years. I want you to understand how faith works. That's what he's, and he still wants his church to understand how faith works. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get some faith stirred up here today. Melbourne right now, come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell them that. Mark chapter 11, this is what he said. Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen it will be done for them and we're like oh well we've all got metaphorical mountains in our life let's speak to them jesus was talking about a physical mountain he was wanting and that's that's this realm of faith that He wanted, wants you and I to step into. That's awesome. It's stirring, isn't it? So what we've learned so far in this series is number one, the law of incubation. Love you to go back and listen to them. The law of incubation is simply this, that we get a clear cut objective of what we're believing God for. We get a burning desire for that specific thing and we lock in and pray and we pray until we get an assurance from God. We, we, you know, we, we conceive a miracle on the inside and then we begin to incubate this until we give birth to that miracle by speaking the Word of God. We, we learned about a mindset from the miraculous. Dan Frecker preached a great message in Melbourne, Pastor Danielle here, all, all about renewing our minds so that when God wants to give us put a miracle into our spirit, our mind doesn't bat it away. Our mind creates a, a mind, we, we create a mindset that has a possibility thinking. The expectation of the miraculous is normal for a Christian, but you've got to go to work on that. So we've got to develop a mindset for the miraculous. We learned Pastor Teresa preached here and then in, in uh, Melbourne about the power of your imagination. And how God has created your imagination. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think. So we understand right in that moment that your asking and your thinking are both powerful in the fourth dimension realm to create. And so God he understood this while he's trying to, he understood it, he created it. God, when he's trying to get Abraham to keep his faith alive, that one day he'd be the father of many nations, he says, go and look at all of these stars in the sky. I want to give you a mental blueprint of the miracle that I've got coming for you. I want you to incubate it every time you look at the stars. And story after story, one of my favorite in the book, Dr. Cho, tells about a woman whose whose daughter essentially began to sleep around with a lot of men. Her son's friends, she began to sleep around with. Her husband's business associates. And they were so filled with shame about the daughter. And because they were so filled with shame, they were praying. And the mother said to Dr. Cho, I prayed at one point, God, just take her out so filled with shame and embarrassment. And so Dr. Cho just began to talk to her and said, well, what's your mental picture? And essentially it was that she saw her as a prostitute. That's whenever she thought of her, her imagination saw her as a prostitute, as she was, as she was behaving. He said, what I want you to do is to see her through the cross, to see her through the, blood, the blood-speckled cross of Christ and see her on the other side, forgiven and cleansed and transformed. Imagine, what does she look like when she's encountered Christ and been transformed? And and the mother began to imagine and the Holy Spirit grabbed her imagination. She got a picture of her daughter, clean, holy, righteous with God and began to incubate and pray over her daughter with that picture in her mind. And then her daughter one morning, but the power of her prayer had slept with this man in a hotel and woke up feeling so guilty and convicted and went home and said, I'm gonna go home if they won't accept me, if they treat me the way they've been treating me for the last few years as an outcast, I'm going to kill myself. And she goes home and the mother opens the door in the middle of the night and sees her, according to the fourth dimension that she's been praying, through the cross, loves on her, welcomes her, and, and begins to just treat her as if she's already what she's seen. The daughter comes to church gets saved, gets right with God, marries a great guy, ends up becoming one of the key leaders in Dr. Cho's church. Where did that change? It was always God's will for that to happen, but it changed through a picture that God put into someone's heart, and that became what they incubated until it came to pass. Are you with me, tonight? Are you with me today? All right. So this is, this is how it works. That's your imagination. God, you know, I feel like get smart. If only he used it for good and not for evil. God's, here's the thing. Your imagination, some of you are like, no idea. Sorry to everybody under 30 right now. Uh, but here's the thing. Your, your imagination it was, is created for good. The devil wants to hijack it for anxiety, to imagine the worst case scenario. God has put it in you as a creative tool to change things in the natural realm. That's your imagination. All right, so today... We got to, now, he, you, can, you can work this by imagining things yourself. But what's more powerful, and you can, you can create by speaking words yourself. But what's more powerful is when the Holy Spirit gives you pictures and God gives you words or promises. So when God gives you pictures, because visions and dreams and pictures, they're the language of the Holy Spirit. So often the Holy Spirit will speak to you with a a picture. It just like comes out of nowhere. Like, Oh, I just, I imagine that. I was praying for our church and for just for growth, this season of revival the other day, I was just locked in praying over our church. And I just saw this picture of a massive magnet, like a big red magnet out in the car park, drawing people into church. Now that's not a picture I thought of. I wasn't praying God draw people like a magnet. but suddenly I saw that picture. Now that becomes part of the weaponry that I use in my imagination when I'm creating in the spirit realm. God gives you pictures. And so if he gives you a picture, that's way more powerful than you just coming up with something or Googling something and coming up with your own image. That's quite good. But when the Holy Spirit speaks a picture to you, it supercharges the effect of your imagination. Now, the same to be said around the word, and this is where we want to go today, is it's the word from God. Your words are good, but when you get God's word in your mouth, it's incredibly powerful. God's word. Let's let's jump into Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. He's saying to Jeremiah and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Everybody say my words. My words. In your mouth. Say it like this God's word in my mouth. That's what's powerful. He says, Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. Jeremiah is a prophet. He's not a military man. Neither is he a bullfrog, for those of you who are wondering. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, boom, boom, boom. Okay, he's not that. He's a prophet. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Melbourne, I'll be here all day. God bless you. Thank you so much. He's not, he's, he's not a military guy. He's not gonna lead a battalion of soldiers in to, take, to overthrow kingdoms. He's a prophet. And God says, I'm gonna use you, one person, and I'm gonna put my word in your mouth, and you'll speak, and the power of my word in your mouth will overthrow nations. It will overthrow kingdoms. Here's how God works. God doesn't bypass us. He partners with us. When you need a miracle to happen in your life, and you're saying, God, would you do it? What he says, I will do it, but this is how I'll do it. I will put my word in your mouth, and you will speak and you will uproot the things that need to be uprooted and you will plant the things that need to be planted. You'll overthrow darkness and you'll plant seeds of righteousness into every situation. It's like Jesus echoed the same thought. He said, uh, he said to His disciples, uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the spirit realm. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the spirit realm. He wanted them to understand the power of the word of God in their mouth. So this is God's, I want to tell you, there's a, there's a grenade in the spirit realm against every demonic opposition that's coming against you. It's called the word of God. Now it's not just the general word of God. This is what I want us to understand today, the word of God. So the, in the Bible and the Greek, there's two types of words. Let's go to Bible college for two minutes. There's two words that, mean, that come up as word. One is logos which is the general truth, the general Word of God, or the other is rhema, it's the quickened Word of God. So Paul writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, I want you to preach the Word in season and out of season. He's talking about the logos the whole counsel of God, all of the scripture, because the logos will renew people's mind. The the logos will wash, will brainwash us in the way we need to be brainwashed. The logos, logos will teach us the principles by how we should live. The logos will create an understanding of who God is, and it will frame and shape our lives as we hear it, read it, confess it, and speak it. That's the general word of God. In the beginning was the Word, Logos. His name was Jesus. Jesus is the general Word of God. Okay, it's powerful. We need to be in it. But the rhema is different. The rhema is the quickened Word of God. The rhema is, is when God takes a principle from the Bible, the Logos, but He brings it alive to you at a specific moment in a specific for a specific reason. So Dr. Cho tells this story in the book that's both sad but powerful about a, a, white, a youth camp and revival happening in Seoul, Korea, and a, a lots of young people getting saved and on fire for God and learning about faith. And, but then there's this, all these flood and all these rains and uh, rain, and three of them go back to their village and they go to cl- cross a river that's flooded, And when they get to this river, this raging river that's flooded, they go, oh, we've just heard all about the Bible and Peter walked on water and Jesus walked on water. So we should be able to walk on water because we've read it in the Bible. And they stepped out to walk in the water and they got taken away and they ended up drowning became a national story in Seoul, Korea about churches and faith and this crazy hype of faith and, of, of people's being brainwashed. And, and Dr. Cho tells, I love how he explains it so sensitively, but the concept of it is, he said, what the, the problem here was, they, they understood the Logos. The logos is that Jesus walked on water, and Peter walked on water, and it's possible for a Christian to walk on water. The, lo- the whole Bible tells you the possibilities of God, the possibilities. But Peter didn't step out on the possibility of God. Peter stepped out when Jesus gave him one rhema. Come. And on one rhema, the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the rhema. When God gives you a rhema, it produces faith on the inside and you step out on faith. So so I know people who have learned scriptures about healing as the logos. Face a situation and believe the logos, but there's no specific quickened word or promise from God to actually build faith. It's just potentially this is mine, but it's not actually mine because there's been no quickened word that builds faith. This is how the log, this is how the rhema works. Rhema works like this. He, Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, he answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, that proceeds. The rhema is the preceding word. The quickened word. This is how God created the world. I love this. Uh, if we go to Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Ramer of God. Not the, logo, not the word, The word wasn't created because Jesus was there. The word was created because God spoke the word. A specific word in a specific time for a specific reason the creation of the world. That's the rhema that creates. This is, the, this is the key. So God wants you and I to get some rhemas in our heart, some words from Him that we begin to speak over our life. How do you know it's a rhema word? Well, the, the, the Logos word prepares your mind to receive. It prepares your heart to receive. But when the rhema word comes, it's the, the Holy Ghost comes with it, and you, you can sense a burning in your spirit. That was God just gave me. You immediately feel like, "Ooh, baby, I'm 10 foot tall because God spoke to me." Now that might not feel the same tomorrow morning. It might have flown away because the circumstances are so overwhelming. That's why we're incubating. The faith that God gives us with the Rhema word of God. It's now your tool. When, when the Bible says uh, the weapons, of, talks about us having a, a sword, a, a shield of faith, and a sword that's the word of God, what is it? It's the Rhema. That's the word it uses. The, the word that's in your mouth, the word that you use against the devil, is the quickened word from God. So when you're facing an impossible situation, you don't need 50 words from God. You just need one, one promise that came alive in your heart under the unction of the Holy Spirit. One picture that you got in a dream from God. One, one thing, and together, then you begin to pray and you sit or you kneel or you stand and you're like, God, I'm bringing this situation to you and I'm incubating it. I'm praying over it. I'm seeing those stars in the sky. I'm declaring, my name's Abraham, the father of many nations. And I'm speaking it and I'm declaring it. You're like, how long do you have to do that? Until It happens. Until it happens, don't go weary doing good for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So for us, I, I learned this principle, Danielle and I learned this principle probably back in about 1997 or something. And I, I've just, I was just this week preparing, meditating on situations we've had and a rhema that God gave us and how we have just went to work with that scripture. Remember when our business was doing it tough the bank was gonna repossess a house. God gave us one word. Instead of your shame and humiliation, you will have a double portion. And he turned it around. Remember when another time in my business we were losing thousands of dollars every month and we were running out of months. And God gave me a scripture: the wealth of nations will be yours, and a double portion will be what yours. No different marketing strategy, just half an hour in the morning in my business, incubating the promises of God, starting out feeling stressed and anxious, but declaring the promise of God. Remember when we needed a, a house with a granny flat because Danielle's mom had been widowed and was gonna come and live with us and we needed to find a house that would fit our whole family. God gave us a scripture, I will lead you to your desired haven. And so we prayed, God lead us and prayed and prayed. Remember when Danielle was pregnant with our, with one of our kids who wasn't, looked like they weren't coming out into this world and she was gonna be induced and she did not wanna be induced. I remember going to our laundry and we prayed together. But I remember crying out to God with this scripture, this of word, will I bring you to a time of birth and not cause delivery. She went into labor. I remember when as a young pastor being paralyzed by insecurity and being in my mind, just feeling overwhelmed and unable to do this. And God gave me a scripture that became my rhema that I would speak every day over myself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. And I'd speak the word of God over my life because in the one rhema from God, his word your mouth. His word, your mouth. I remember having a son who was wayward and living a lifestyle that dishonored God. And together we would hold our hands together and say, oh, he's not one who'll turn away from God to his own destruction. He's a faithful one whose soul will be saved. And we declare his promise. Remember when our personal budget was $500 upside down every month. And we were like, what are we going to do? How are we going to turn this around? God said, go to faith. And so He gave us a promise. We'd hold hands together every day and say, it was this, your work will give you what you need. Blessings and good things will come to you. And we would meditate and speak and picture and, and incubate over the promise of God. Did it happen instantly? No, it took months. Some things take Years. But this is how God's created us to incubate. Remember when God said, step out, sell your house. I'm going to give you an upgrade. It'll, be, it'll have ocean views. It'll be amazing. We're like, no, uh, this is going to be a massive step of faith. But we, and we're looking for this house and nothing's happening. But he gave us a rhema word. I wanted nothing more out of Jeremiah than to give you this beautiful land I just wanted you to call me Father and never to turn from me. And the amount of times freaked out, tired, cranky, and discouraged, we would hold hands and say, but God said, I want to give you this beautiful land. I remember when we needed a driveway because we'd given the money into our vision builders. And we were driving on a gravel road that would get muddy in the rain. And God gave us a promise out of Psalms. He said, the hard pathways of the righteous will drip with abundance. How good is that for a promise from God? and literally we would we would speak it and declare it i remember literally being in the lounge room in a place of press Speaking this scripture and hearing counsel begin to go to work on our driveway and something that they would never do. Why? Because the word of God, the Rhema word of God, in your mouth, spoken out loud, incubating faith over a period of time, creates things out of nothing. That's how God works. Various health challenges we've had over the seasons, and God said, I will exalt you, some 30, because you rescued me. This is us declaring, I will exalt you because you rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies try over me. You heard me when I cried to you and you restored my health as a promise for God, for everybody in every situation. You only need one. Not your neighbor's promise. Not the promise that you heard somebody stood on in their situation and thought, wouldn't that be good if I stood on that? That's why we read the Bible every day. I don't know what the ratio is, but I feel like there's this blend of encouragement, correction, Conviction, lifestyle adjustment, and some rhema promises. And you don't get the rainbow. It's like dessert. you got to eat your greens. You don't just get promises from God every day of the week because you, you, He's after your character and your lifestyle. and he, That's why I read the Bible every day and try and find a verse and write it down because in the middle of it will come the promise that's your sword for the season that you're going into. It's the shovel that will dig the well of provision into your life, of supernatural supply. It's the rhema Word of God. Turn your neighbor and say, he's a little fired up today. 4D prayer. Persist. Close our eyes together right now. Melbourne, can you close your eyes with us? Oh God, we love you so much. Thank you the lords of faith that you unpack out of your word to us. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Lord, I pray that as we tune our hearts to you, whatever it is we have that specific goal, that burning desire that we're praying into, I pray that you'll give us quickened words, rhema words. Lord, where you've given us quickened words and we've just stopped using them, forgive us. Forgive me. Help us go to work again with the promises of God. Build our faith, God. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, I'm going to hand you back to Toby, I believe, in Melbourne. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of today, rest of your service.